Good morning, everyone, and welcome. We're so glad you're here today. I am the discipleship pastor. My name is Brett Stevens. And passages like this one from Psalm 23 are an interesting one for us today because I suspect most of you do not have much experience with sheep or with animals, like farm animals of any kind for that matter. And, and even those of you who do, I, for example, I know some of you out here have like chickens at home and that kind of thing. Our relationship to these animals is very different. Um, and so these passages can be really difficult to make sense of. The idea that we are like sheep. What does that even mean? What does that look like? And so maybe we need a different metaphor just to help us unpack this. Because the truth is, we all have people in our lives that we have a relationship to that would help us understand this. For example, I have my kids. And um, kids need a lot of direction, especially when they're young like mine are. Um, they have a lot of ideas, but they don't necessarily understand the way that their bodies work or the way they interact with the world. So, for example, my daughter, who is uh, not three yet, uh, is just now at the point where she's aware enough of her body that if she's standing up, she might not bonk her head on the table. But you've, you've probably, most of you have seen a young child who is, you know, down here picking something up, and they stand up and just whack their head on something. They need, they need direction. They're, they just aren't aware of their surroundings. And this is, this is how sheep are. So uh, they need guidance, or they will get themselves into trouble. And this is what the shepherd did to take care of them. Now, not all of you have kids, though, and not all of you are old enough that you had a young sibling, maybe that you could see this. But I suspect that for those of you who haven't, you've done something like coaching or uh, been with friends who have these kids, or perhaps you've uh, taught a class of some kind. We've all had these interactions. And so even as kids get older, uh, they still need direction. Kids who are in middle and high school are often a time in life where they're trying to figure things out. What do I want to do with my life? Where do I want to go? Should I go to college? Should I go to a trade school? Should I do this? Should I do that? They need direction. They need guidance. And in fact, a word that we sometimes use for this kind of care is shepherding. Drawn from the way that sheep need care. So I say all this to make the point that we all have these kinds of relationships where we have to shepherd people. And so going back to this about sheep, you see, in, in today's world, most of us do not have a relationship to animals that is like the ancient world. Because uh, for those of you who do have animals, if something happens to those animals, you are disappointed, but not devastated. I know some friends who have had chickens or things like that. Actually, I know a lot of friends who have had chickens. And con a consistent problem is wild animals eating the chickens. Now, this isn't what these people would prefer, but uh, if, the, if the chickens all die, they say, well, that's unfortunate that I lost my chickens. Our relationship to animals is more commonly one of pets. We have cats, we have dogs, we have guinea pigs and hamsters and rabbits and whatever else, but they tend to be our pets, not our livelihood. In the ancient world, these, these people, 
who had sheep, that was their life. So you bet that they took really good care of those sheep. Because the sheep weren't just like, oh, well, I'll, I'll raise it up, and if I get some food out of it, that's great. It was for the entirety of its life, it will provide for a family. It can, we can get wool from it. When it becomes old, we can get meat from it. It's, this is what we will eat. It's not like, oh, well, I ran out of sheep, so I'll go down to the store and you know, buy a, a package of meat. This is, this is what we got to eat. If the wolf gets it, that's food that we've lost. And so the care, the concern that they took for these animals was so meticulous. And that's why you have passages like this that make this description. But now, I want to move ahead. This was in the book of Psalms. I want to look at the book of Acts. And I promise that there will be a connection between these, although it doesn't seem like it now. So let's look at the book of Acts. This is a story about Peter and John. The next day, the council and all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, By what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So this story starts in the middle, and so I'm going to back up and give you the background. So what happened is, John and Peter were going into the temple to worship. And as they were going into the temple, they saw this man there begging for money. And the reason he was begging is because he was unable to work because his legs didn't work. This was a common problem in this time, that people who were from birth physically disabled in some way couldn't do a job, and so their only livelihood was either family to take care of them or when their family was gone, for them to beg. And so often these people would be there, that, that friends of some kind would help them get there, and anyone who had extra money would give a little bit to them so that they could survive. So the, these, this guy's sitting there begging for money, and Peter and John stop. And they talk to the guy, and he thinks he's going to get some money. And they say, guy, we don't have any money for you, but we have this. By the power of Jesus, stand up and walk. And immediately the guy gets up, and he's so excited for the first time in his life he can walk. And so he goes into the courts with these guys, into the temple, and he's jumping around, and he's singing songs, and he's telling people. And pretty soon a whole crowd gathers around Peter and John. And so Peter, like any good evangelist, starts preaching, just telling them all what happened. Um... Incidentally, though, the people who ran the temple, the leaders there, saw this big crowd and all this chaos going on, and they tried to figure out what was happening, and they weren't really pleased that Peter was preaching about this person who was uh, executed not too long ago 
as a violent revolutionary. And so they arrest the two of them. It's late. They make them stay in the jail overnight, and they bring them in in the morning. And that's where we start. And the story goes on in this most interesting way. These leaders look at these two, at Peter and John, who, before they started following Jesus, were fishermen, common laborers. And the text says they looked at them, and they said, these are ordinary people. They don't have any special training, any special schooling. But they speak with such power and conviction. And they really wanted to do something about it because they didn't like what they were saying. But the problem is, there's all these people around. And that guy who just got healed. And these people are on trial for healing the guy. And they're like, what are we going to do? Punish them for healing? I guess we got to let them go. And so that's how the story moves on. But here's what's interesting to me. I want to look specifically at Peter and John. Peter and John, as I said, were fishermen. They were just out there fishing, day in and day out, repairing nets, repairing boats, sailing their boat, dragging in fish, selling the fish for money. That was their life until they met Jesus. And Jesus said, come and follow me. And they did for three years. They left their livelihood. They left their families. And they just followed him. And you can read through the Gospels about how these, how their journey went. And you'll notice some trends. One, they didn't really understand what was happening. There are a lot of times when Jesus starts talking and they, they come to him privately and they say, Jesus, we didn't really get that. Can you, like, uh, explain it to us so we can look really smart? Because well, they didn't get it either, but, you know, we want to be the guys with the answers. Can you tell us what's going on? And Jesus will explain it to him. Or there'll be times when he'll be asking them questions, and they'll say something. And Jesus will be like, no, that's not it. L- let's try this again. Or there'll be times like this one where Jesus is asking, he says, guys, who do you think I am? And Peter stands up and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He's like, you got it, Peter. Now let me tell you what that means. And as soon as he starts explaining it, Peter says, hey, listen, Jesus, you can't really talk like that about the whole like going to Jerusalem and dying thing. That's, you're going to scare people and that's, that's not really a good look for you. And they, he had just said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, had this great moment. And then Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. That was Peter's life. He would just open his mouth, and sometimes he says these brilliant things, and sometimes he just sticks his foot in his mouth. And this is the journey. And so you look at these people, just like those religious leaders. You look at them, and you say, ordinary, unschooled, common laborers, not going to amount to much. And yet, there they stand, speaking with this conviction, this authority, this power healing people. The text also tells us that the preaching that they got arrested for, 5,000 people became believers because of that. 5,000 people heard them and said, I'm convinced. I believe what you believe. I want to know more. Ordinary, unschooled, common men who are shaking up Jerusalem 
changing lives. How did they get there? But let's ask the deeper question. How do we get there? Because it's easy to look at the Bible and be like, well, Peter and John, I mean, I'll never be Peter. I'll never be John. That was for them. That's not for me. But I think that's the very point that is being made right here. There's nothing special about Peter and John. They're ordinary, unschooled men. They're not unique. They're not special, except that they were willing to be used. So how do we get there? talk about sheep again. You see, the thing about Peter and John is for three years they were sheep. They followed Jesus. They made a lot of mistakes. They needed some guidance. They bumped their head on some things. They skinned their knees, but they were growing. And the Peter and John we see in Acts aren't sheep anymore. They're shepherds. Now they're the ones leading and guiding and teaching and correcting. And there are people following them who are making mistakes, putting their foot in their mouth, bumping their heads. So you want to know how you get there? You start as a sheep you follow. You know, the Apostle Paul was writing to a church, and he said this, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me, and you will learn. The writer of the book of Hebrews, and I'll, that's, that's all I can call this person because we don't know who it is, the writer of the book of Hebrews said, by this time you should be teachers. In other words, this is the expected path, that you will start as a sheep, that you will follow, that you will learn, that you will grow, and one day you will lead. So some of you here in the church today are here for your first time, or your second, or your third. And to you, I say this. I hope you will be with us. A few weeks ago, I said, I believe that if you will be a part of our community, you will see the power of God. But, let me be honest with you. The power of God does not want to leave you where you are. God loves you. We welcome you. But God wants to see you change. Some of you have been coming here for a while. And to you I say, do you have a shepherd? Yeah, I know you come here, you hear the preaching from Andy or Tony or I. But do you have a shepherd? 
Is there someone that you're following? Is there someone that is saying, come, imitate me as I imitate Christ? Learn what it means. Walk with me. Let's sort through the days of your life and the challenges that you're facing. Let's teach you what it means to follow. There are some of you who have been here for a long time. You've grown up in the church. And to you, I say, do you have any sheep? You know what it means to follow Christ. And some of you, I suspect, are looking out at the world and lamenting. Things are falling apart. People are leaving the church. People don't believe. Look at the state of our politics. Look at the state of our communities. Look at the state of our families. And they say, do you have any sheep? Who are you teaching a better way? Because this is the progression. By now, you should be teachers. And so here is the truth. Every follower of Jesus Christ should look like a sheep from the front and a shepherd from the back. A sheep from the front and a shepherd from the back. And here's what I mean. Every follower of Jesus Christ is following someone. You need a shepherd, someone to guide you, to instruct you, to teach you, to give you advice. Let me be perfectly honest with you. Pastor Tony has a shepherd. You may not know that, but he does. Pastor Tony has a shepherd. He has a district superintendent that he looks to for guidance. If he's having trouble and he doesn't know what to do, he has someone he can go and say, walk through this with me. I have a shepherd. Pastor Tony. Before that, I had other mentors. I have consistently had a shepherd. So this isn't something where I'm saying, you have to do this, but I am extremely spiritual and don't need to. No, every follower of Jesus Christ should be a sheep from the front. Every follower of Jesus Christ needs a shepherd. But the point of following is for you to grow to change, to develop, to mature. My two-year-old daughter runs into things. Sometimes she trips when she falls. Or, I'm sorry, trips when she runs. Bonks her head. She has trouble pouring her milk. But my eight-year-old son does not. And in fact, my eight-year-old son will hold our baby. He'll help the two-year-old. Come this way. Hold my hand while we cross the road. You see the development. There's a progression. You follow, and then you lead. Every follower of Jesus Christ should be a sheep from the front and a shepherd from the back. And some of you will say, well, who could I lead? I say, look around. 
Look at the young people here. You say, well, I'm, I'm brand new. We have little kids here. I'm not saying that's all that you're qualified for, but my point is, whatever your level, wherever you say, this is where I'm at in my faith, there are people who will look up to you. More than that, there are people outside the walls of this building who are already looking up to you. You're a shepherd whether you realize it or not. The question is, are you going to be a good shepherd to them? Because there are people looking up to you. So here is the challenge. To be a good shepherd, to be a good sheep. Who will you follow and who will you lead? But here's the encouragement. When we looked at that verse, there was this moment, the, the, the leaders are asking Peter and John, and we often have this idea, right, that Peter, it's Peter, right? The apostle Peter. He was probably there like, John, I got this. Let me, let me show you. I got this. No. This was a person who was about to go speak in front of the most uh, profess, uh, what did I say, um, the most impressive religious leaders of his day. The people who, until three years ago, and possibly even more recently than that, he had looked up to as the most prestigious, the most spiritual, the most holy people, and now they were all gathered in front of him with angry eyes looking at him. He was going to go speak in front of them. I imagine that he was a little nervous. I imagine he was a little scared. Remember, he's up here arrested because the person that he was following, Jesus, was just executed as a violent criminal. And now he's been arrested, and there he stands before these people who just killed Jesus a little intimidating. But in that moment, the text says, filled with the Holy Spirit, he responded. And so here's the encouragement. You don't have to do this alone. You don't have to do this alone. The Holy Spirit will fill you too. And like these ordinary, unschooled men, this is a journey in which you will grow and become. You will be transformed. You won't think the same. You won't feel the same. You won't worry the same. And in those moments where you're like, I know this is what I need to do, but how am I going to do it? The Holy Spirit will fill you. You see, here at Gateway, we believe there is a natural progression. That if you will belong to our community, you will see the power of God. And when you see the power of God, you will believe And you will see more of the power of God. And it will change you, and you will become. 
This is our hope for you. And so I extend the invitation. Wherever you are, come, belong with us. We will accept you. Come, see the power of God and believe. Come, see the power of God and become. Now let me pray for you. Receive this blessing. Holy God, you have so much for each of us. You have so much hope, so much love. And your love won't leave us where we are. Great Shepherd, will you lead us into the paths of your righteousness? Great Shepherd, will you lead these people that you have chosen, that you have called, that you have brought here? Lead us on, Great Shepherd. Amen. One, two, intro.